Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. God is doing in, in this sense of his glory and his presence. And it's, it's about something bigger than us. You know, there, there, is, there, there is a new grace coming upon us as a people to do what we've been called here to do. What is the point of planting a church if, if God's not gonna use us to reach people who are far from God? We praise God for the, the sense of covenant family and the joining, the connections that have happened in a short amount of time. But man, he's, he, he's, he, he's filling us and shifting things in our hearts. He, he's pouring his love out into us and causing us to love him more so that we, in loving him more, will love the things that he loves even more. Um, I want to briefly share a word. Andrew has a testimony, but I'm going to probably next week or the week after uh, have you guys share that, but uh, or have Andrew share that. But um, can I just say that one other thing I wanted to mention, when I was praying for Madison and Emily earlier, I felt the Holy Spirit very clearly speak to me and say, if, if we as a church will sow into levers, he will bring us a harvest from elsewhere. And I need us to, to hear that and respond to that. Okay, it's not just our little levers team. It's not just, okay, well, you know, you're in your early 20s or you're a young adult. And so, yeah, that's great. You go to levers. I mean, there's a need for, for people of all ages. Can we just see this as a mission field? Can, can, can As a missions trip, can we just, Numa Perth, take a missions trip down to Levers? I don't know, how great would it be that our little church would send like 20 people down there? How crazy would that be? That would be incredible. That would be amazing. I mean, come on, let's get Rowan and Rita down there at Levers. Come on. There is no limits. There's, you know, there's, there's a need for, for, like you said, moms and dads and grandparents in the spirit just to show love and, um, and yeah, we'll put, you know, there'll be an appropriate environment for you to serve and minister in. If you, if you don't want people puking on you, that's all right. We'll find another, another place for you to serve. I might've scared everybody away with that comment. I should have, should have saved that one. But anyway, um, I really felt a challenge from the Holy Spirit. And I, and I believe I'll go as far to say a call upon us as a church. I know that sounds strong, but can we, sow and invest in that. Can we sow there and trust that the Holy Spirit's going to bring us a harvest? All right. I'm going to get into God's word briefly today. Um, famous last words, right? But uh, I want to start reading. We're going to look at one uh, Old Testament passage and then two New Testament passages. This is going to be quite a practical message today. We're in part two in our series, Sharing Jesus Confidently. We want to be equipped by God to reach people who are far from him. And I think this is very foundational in that what we're going to talk about today. But Hosea 6, 4 through 7, we'll put it up on the screens for you. Oh, Israel and Judah, what should I do with you? Ask the Lord. For your love vanishes like the morning mist and disappears like dew in the sunlight. Now, this is going to sound a little stronger than it really is, but... I sent my prophets to cut you to pieces. 
to slaughter you with my words, with judgments as inescapable as light. I want you to show love. Now, the, the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, translates that mercy. I want you to show love. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. But like Adam, you broke my covenant and betrayed my trust. Now, in this next passage we're going to look at in the New Testament, Jesus is responding to a complaint from the religious leaders, the ones that everybody thought were the most spiritual, the ones that everybody thought was closest to God. And Jesus actually quotes that uh, first half of verse six. So this is in Matthew chapter nine. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Now, there's probably a whole lot of backstory going on here. If anybody ever seen The Chosen, you kind of, you see the backstory with, with Matthew, who's very unique. And, you know, he, he's, anyway, there's this whole backstory. So there's probably more going on. But anyway, this is the, this is a bit of a synopsis. And then verse 10, and as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Now, when you look at other um, perspectives of this from uh, other gospels, you, you kind of get the picture. And what you realize is this wasn't just any house. Matthew had in, actually invited Jesus into his house and had gathered all of his sinner tax collector friends to come and hang out with Jesus. And Jesus shows up, but he also brings with him his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, that sounds in this version, in the SV, a very kind of honest question. But the New Living Translation, I think, really helps to pull out the disdain that would have been in there in his voice when he says, why does your teacher eat with such scum? That's the New Living Translation. But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. And he quotes Hosea 6. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I actually like the New Living Translation on this. I, I, I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. One more passage, a couple chapters later, Jesus is speaking to this large crowd of people, and he's talking about how the Pharisees, the religious elite, they don't like him, and they don't like John the Baptist either. And he says, for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he, is a, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors, and sinners, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. I want to talk today about Jesus, the friend of sinners. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking you, God, today to do a miracle in our hearts. Lord, we need to be changed and be different. Father, if we look at our lives and see the degree to which we have befriended those who are far from you, 
Lord, it's really a reflection of something that's in our heart. And Lord, we just humble ourselves right now and recognize that, Lord, we may need you to shift and change some things in us. We may need you to deposit a love into our hearts that we haven't really had. Lord, would you help us? Maybe you can just pray this prayer. Can you just invite the Holy Spirit just to help you to love as Jesus loves? You say, Father, help me to love as Jesus loves. Help me to care about the lost like Jesus cared about the lost. Father, we don't want any, you haven't called us to live under guilt. Lord, we don't want to preach out of guilt. Lord, we want to be motivated by love. Lord, do something in our hearts. Lord, let your word do its work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. As many of you know, I became a follower of Jesus in my third year at university. Um, This was in the mid-90s, and in the mid-90s, it was kind of cool to be a hippie again. It was kind of this neo-hippie subculture that was happening, and it was we were all trying to be like we were in the 1960s and, you know, smoking weed every day. And I had all of these druggy friends uh, when I got saved. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Dazed and Confused, but that is like a really great illustration of what my friend circles were like. Uh, If you haven't seen it, don't watch the movie. But um, I was radically saved. Uh, And amazingly, one of my other druggy friends got saved at the same time as me, which was a beautiful gift from the Lord. And it was crazy because it was completely separate. I ran into him on campus at at uni and uh, it was like, dude, I haven't seen you in a while. What's what's happening? What's going on? And he's like, yeah, man, I've really started getting right with God lately. And I'm like, dude, really? Me too. And uh, then he's like, yeah, I started going to this great church called Covenant Community Church. I'm like, no way. My friend just told me about that church. I'm going to go this Sunday. He's like, great. Well, let's go together. And um, I call him Sunday morning and it, it was a real test because he was sick. And I was like, flip, what am I going to do? It's going to be, but I went anyway and God just radically powerfully moved in my life. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's a bit of a revival happening in this church. You know, this was the the Brownsville revival in Pensacola, Florida, Toronto blessing, and it was spilling over into other churches and God was moving. All these young people were there. And um, I don't know, I'm just going to prophesy right now over this church that there's going to be a whole heap of young people in this church in 2023. There's going to be a whole lot of Curtin University students in Numa Perth in 2023 in Jesus' name. All right, I'm going to just keep going now. Um, but it was crazy because um, here I am, a part of this church now, and I've got all of these new friends and we have this common passionate pursuit of Jesus. And, and I'm thinking is weird because I'm like, I would never normally like be friends with these people. Like these are not like the people I would normally kind of gravitate to yet. There was this depth of connection that felt like family. And then I've got all my, this other circle of friends over here that I'm trying to reach back into and hang out with. And, and I, I, I realized I've got these two circle of friends and, And it was, you know, I was living in these two relational worlds. And as you would expect, I go and hang out with them and they're still getting high and they're going out and partying. And I'm like, how am I going to hang out with them? And I'm going in there having drinks. And after a couple of minutes, you know, after a couple of drinks, it's like, all right, this is really pointless for me to be here right now. I probably need to just come back and hang out with them 
another time. But I felt this tension that I'm battling between like, okay, I feel called to like, to, to help these people experience what I've experienced, help all my friends. But yet I feel this tension of not wanting to be influenced by them. And the safe thing is just to go hang out with my Christian friends. And what felt really unsafe was to go hang out with these people who were my old friends who were still far from God. And, and I began to feel and realize that, you know, that we have this tendency as we, um, we become, you know, we, we walk with Jesus, we have a tendency to, to almost cut off those old relationships because it's challenging. It's difficult. They don't live the way that we are wanting to live. And it's, and, and it's challenging to be around them. Um, or if we've been a Christian for a long time, we might have this mindset that we stay away from people. We don't want to go too deep into relationship with people who are far from God because maybe out of fear or it's just annoying or it's just uncomfortable. But as followers of Jesus who are trying to become more like Jesus, we need to, uh, and it's crucial for us to understand how Jesus related to people who were far from God. We don't ever see Jesus cutting off relationships with people who, were, who are far from him. We actually see Jesus doing the very opposite, investing deeply into those relationships. He's living in a way where he's getting so close to people who don't know Jesus that religious people feel really uncomfortable. They begin to judge him. The mindset in those days was, you know, like even to associate with sinful people, they might rub off on you. And Jesus had this completely different mindset, even in quoting Hosea 6, you know, understand what, what this is really all about. I want, I don't, I don't care so much about your religious activity. What I want is love and mercy that is flowing through you to other people. And so there's a few, few things we can learn from this passage, and I'm going to try to go pretty quickly through these. But the first thing that we realize is that Jesus had real friendships with lost people. He had real friendships with people that were far from God. He quotes Isaiah to make this point that if there is a lack of friendship with the lost in our lives, then it reveals that we could be caring less about the things that we should be caring about. Did I say that right? We are caring less about things that Jesus cares about. Or let me say it like this, we need to be caring more about the things that Jesus cares about. Can we just hear that challenge for ourselves? Can we just kind of, I mean, I've been doing an honest assessment of myself recently. I've been challenged by this. Man, I could be investing more deeply into relationship with people who are far from him. Jesus says, listen to Hosea. I want mercy. I want love. And the evidence, the greatest evidence of our love for Jesus is that we love what he loves. And he came to seek and to save those who are lost. I've begun to experience a bit of a revival in my own heart since being at Revival Conference in Melbourne a few weeks ago. And one of the 
one of the outworkings of that is I'm finding that I care a whole lot more about people who are far from God. We had this moment at Revival Conference where um, I'd encourage you to go back and watch Ben Fitzgerald's session on the, the Friday evening. Just go on YouTube and find it. it there, there was something imparted to us of a love for people who are far from God. Man, we, there, there was just this sense of urgency. You know, we even if we do pray for the lost, sometimes it can feel like a tag on to, all right, well, you know, Jesus save them. You know, I know you love them and Jesus. But man, there's, there, God wants us to, to really receive even a burden, a longing, a sense of urgency for those who are far from him. And I feel the Holy Spirit challenging me towards a lifestyle change, a lifestyle away from our proclivities towards comfort and security and what's safe, towards um, risk and towards just being more uh, deliberate and, and um, intentional about being friends with those who are far from him. It's a good thing to struggle with two relational worlds. It's a good thing. That's a good tension to feel. I've got my family, my, the, the household of God, the, my covenant family, who I do life with, who there's a depth of connection and intimacy. But it's good to have that other world and to sometimes feel that tension and the challenge of feeling uncomfortable and having to navigate, okay, where, where's the line here? That's a good thing. Depending on the season of life you're, you're in, there could be multiple different sources of these connections with people who are far from God. If you're a student, if you're in uni, if you're in high school, pretty easy. Don't have much choice but to hang out with sinners, right? Uh, I remember that season. Maybe your workplace. Maybe, maybe the next, you know, what does it look like to engage in the workplace in a new level of friendship? Maybe it's okay to go out and have a drink with the friends at work. One that we found very natural in this season is the parents of our kids' friends. You know, dropping kids off, hanging out, just building relationship. You might have an interest, a hobby, a club that you're part of. The guys at the gym. I'm, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm reading this great book here, How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy. I, uh, I want to, I've got five copies here. All right. You can have them at my cost, $26.99. All right. Um, I'd love us to, this book talks about a, a lifestyle change. And one of the things that I was challenged with in this book is, you know, if we go to their things, then they'll come to our things. And I, um, I was convicted recently because I've got all of these guys at the gym and, and every quarter there's this kind of social night and I haven't been to one of them yet. I'm like, what am I thinking? Why have I not gone to these? And this is the moment to like 
go deeper in relationship. So, babe, there might be a Saturday night coming up soon where we go hang out with all of the friends from the gym, all right? You know, we have to, there's always something else that we could be doing, right? We have to be intentional. There's so many excuses. Man, no, I'm, I'm hanging out with my family or I'm, you know, I, I want to be with my wife. I just want to hang out at home. I want to chill. I want to rest. It's a Saturday night. And so if we are going to shift our lifestyle, it means that, that we're going to have to make some changes. And that's a good thing. And I think Jesus is pleased with that. We've all got neighbors living around us. And man, I know it's hard to connect with the neighbors. We had such great intentions moving in this house, but you know, we keep saying, hey, we got to go take some cookies to the neighbors. Can we just take some cookies to the neighbors, please? So we stop <laughs> having to say it. Like, I feel guilty now. Like, anyway, so that's another one. All right. Um, I mean, we've, we've connected with the neighbors, go over and help them with something and have a conversation. But man, what does it look like to be intentional? One of the things I love about Red Frogs is that just by going in to serve on one day, I made some friends. A guy named Bonnie. I even got his phone number. I've texted him a bit. He, he's an architect, master's degree student. We're going to, I told him I'd take him around and show him some architecture around town. I mean, what, whatever. I don't care. I just want to hang out. I just want to be your friend, Bonnie. And then there was Abs and Nikki had a great conversation with Nikki. Nikki had really had no clue if it was the Friday night or the Saturday night that he went to the club. And one of his friends said it was, no, it was, it was definitely last, Saturday, last night. And he's like, no, 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 it was Friday night. He's like, dude, I'm telling you, you were there last night. No, 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 it was the night before. Couldn't remember. But we made new friends and Eva. And, you know, I love, I, I love what Red Frogs is. It's really just an open door to go in and just love, to have a presence. And, you know, we've been going in once a month, but can I just say that's not enough? It's not enough. We can't have, one of the key things that you said is it's, the, it's that just always being in front of them, them seeing you always, man, they're always here. You know, they're just always loving on us, always being our friend, always giving us free water, always making us pancakes, always holding their hair back when we're throwing them, just yeah, probably so. God is pleased when we enter into true relationships. One of the other things we recognize from this passage is that Jesus intentionally merged his two relational worlds. When Jesus went to Matthew's house, he did not go alone to Matthew's house to hang out with Matthew and all the, the, the other sinner friends. What did he do? He brought his disciples with him because Jesus didn't want to have two relational worlds that stayed two relational worlds. He wanted to merge the relational worlds. And I think this is when I think back to my early days following Jesus, man, I wish I would have gotten this one because it was always me trying to go in and hang out with my sinner friends by myself. And I'm trying to like reach in and sow some seeds here and try to bring them in. But man, you know, and we, we all tend to, um, you know, if we have those, that relational circle outside of the church, maybe they, you know, we've got our Christian friends and Somebody says, hey, let's go to the movies. And, you know, we just go to the movies with our Christian friends. And then if one of our unsafe friends invites us to come and do something, um, go have a drink or something, we, we just go and we'll hang out with them. But what if when our Christian friends invite us to go to the movies, what if we said, yeah, great, and invite another, a couple of our friends who don't know Jesus? 
And then we begin to merge our relational world. Or if we go hang out with some friends who don't know Jesus, say, hey, do you mind if I've got a a mate? I'm trying to just connect with some more people. And we just be strategic and matchmake our non-Christian friends with our Christian friends. All right. And, and, And just merge these two relational worlds just like Jesus did. We're talking about having a Thanksgiving dinner because we've got uh, one of uh, the, the kids' friends, their mom is from the U.S., and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're part of Numa Church in 2023. But anyway, um, I will introduce you to them at some point. But we're going to just get some people from our life group, and, and we're going to have them, and who knows, maybe who, who else we, and just start merging our relational worlds. And this is why this is so key, because we the, one of the primary reasons that people give their hearts to Jesus is because they begin to connect in a community where it, it people know Jesus. So like back in, uh, you remember the Brexit vote back in uh, whenever it was, like 2015 or 2016? Well, they had this Brexit vote and they were trying to break down. I mean, it sharply divided the nation. You had 52 people, percent of the people that wanted to leave uh, the EU, 48% that wanted to stay and divided the country. And then they're, they're t- trying to break down why did, why, why did the votes fall the way that they did? And what they found was that um, people who had friends who were um, anti-EU tended to vote in favor of Brexit. People that had friends that were not in favor of EU tended to, or who, who were in favor of the EU tended to vote in favor of staying in the EU. And so there's this thing that happens where we find it easy to believe like the people uh, who we're in community with. Uh, it, the missiologists call it our plausibility structures. It's this, the, 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 what we find easy to believe. I mean, people are finding it easier to believe now in aliens because Joe Rogan is having people on and they're talking about alien sightings all the time, right? So there's this whole cultural phenomenon happening with this online community. I'm around people who believe in aliens, so it's easy for me to believe in aliens. But there's this, uh, there's something that happens in community as we begin to bring people into relationship with our Christian friends. It becomes easier as they begin to hear the gospel. Oh, I've heard this person's testimony. They're not weird. Okay. I've heard this person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, that's good. I can see that. And so they, they, they begin to, this isn't just the, the one Christian that I know in my life. And so what we begin to realize is that our, Christ, our, our friends who are not Christians, they are not Christians primarily because they don't have any Christian friends. And so what if we could introduce them to our Christian friends? What would it look like for us to be more strategic in this area? Finally, the third thing we see here is that Jesus used conversation to lead people closer to God. How do we know that? Well, in the passage, it said that they were reclining at the table. They're like just kicked back, chilling, just relaxing. And it, was this, it wasn't this posture of Jesus standing up and preaching and teaching. It was a posture of conversation. I can imagine Jesus asking questions. Hey, tell me about your life. Tell me about what it was like where you grew up. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, finding common ground and connection. And I'm sure Jesus had some stories that he could tell along the way. Uh, of, you know, being, being very intentional. He's just building relationship through conversation, building trust. One of the things that's cool in this book that he talks about is um, the 
the whole idea of coffee dinner gospel, that there's a progression practically in our relationship and our conversation with people because, um, you know, oftentimes relationship begins on different layers. So it starts with kind of sharing interests and then it goes a little bit deeper, sharing our values. And then it goes a little bit deeper where we might talk about worldview. It's very rare when we first hang out with someone that we go super deep and we're, we're divulging the deep things in the soul. And so it kind of begins with, you know, the, the first step of just catching up with someone for a coffee, keeping it at the values. Let's keep it chilled. I mean, keeping it at the interests. Let's just talk about things we're both interested in. What do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? And tell me about your family, your kids. And then maybe after coffee, it's, hey, let's catch up for a dinner. Let's, cause it's gonna be a little more than 30 minutes to an hour. It's gonna be a couple hours we might hang out or maybe just an hour, but we're gonna go a little bit deeper. Hey, tell me about your family. Why, why did you move here? What is it you're passionate about? And we had dinner with this, uh, with this couple not long ago. And you know, it was amazing as we're just asking lots of questions and, it was interesting to see how the progression, you know, we would hang out, dropping the kids off, you know, they, they would drop, we kind of do this ride share thing and, and she'll pick up Karis and, and from the primary school and we bring home um, their son from the high school and we meet at the house and we'll go and have these conversations in the driveway, talking interest, just catching up. But then we have dinner, we go deeper, asking questions about life and where, you know, where did you meet and and all these, and what was amazing by the end of the night, this was on the day before Father's Day. She was like, oh, so, so what's your sermon for tomorrow? Come on, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I was waiting for. So I started talking about how a relationship with God as our father sets us free from a spirit of rejection and walls of mistrust come down and areas of bitterness where people have done, done us wrong. It just starts to not matter anymore because we start to relate to God as a loving father. Just sow the seed. No need to preach the whole gospel because we're friends. There's going to be more opportunities, more conversations. The Holy Spirit is leading us on this journey. Come on, I'm excited. What I love about this is it just becomes a lifestyle of being ourselves and just allowing, waiting for the Holy Spirit through our love and service to people to open up opportunities. I mean, is this not the heart behind Red Frogs? This is, this is, Red Frogs is a tool to just fast track relationships with people. Can we pray? Maybe John, if you can come. Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful for what you've done in our hearts and in our lives. You've been so good to us. And God, I want to thank you for how you're shifting and changing things in us. Lord, how our appetites are changing. Lord, we're desiring you more than we ever have before. And I love the miracle, Lord, that you're doing as we're desiring you more. Father, you're causing us to desire what you desire. Can we just open our hearts right now and invite him to pour his love and mercy for the lost into us. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior.
The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.